You're listening to Real Investor Radio with Craig Fuhr and Jack Bevere, where we cover advanced real estate investing topics to help you stay ahead of the curve in your real estate investing business. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Real Investor Radio. This is Craig Fuhr with Jack Bevere. How's it going, boss? Good to see you today. Hey, we're joined uh, today. We're at the IMN conference in Scottsdale, which Jack and I will go through in the next episode of all the things that we've experienced and learned here. Jack just sat on an awesome panel of folks talking about DSCR loans. And so we'll talk about that in the next episode. But we're excited today to have a guest. Thanks for stopping by. Jack, why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest? Yes, super excited. We're joined today by Alex Hamani. He's in Dallas. He's a, uh, a member of the Real Investor Roundtable, which is the mastermind that we we put on. So I've known Alex uh, for a number of years now. Been uh, been great to get to know him. He's an outstanding operator out, out of Dallas. There's about 300 rental properties uh, there that he owns and manages, and also operates 99 Capital, which is a uh, real estate private equity fund. They're doing some office to resi conversions, and also opened the fund back up recently to to buy a bunch of rentals. Um, so, dude, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Oh, thanks yeah, for having me. So uh, just let's just dispense with the, the with the format. So this means you have to come to Baltimore because you're a part of RIR, the mastermind. So how do you like coming to Baltimore? So backstory on that. Yeah, when please. When RIR first started, all of the events were in Dallas. <laughs> That's true. Okay, That's so right. I didn't have to travel. It was just, you know, I didn't have to get a hotel room. It was just, you know, I would go back and sleep in my own bed. Right. And then now, last few years, they decided to move it after COVID to Baltimore. Yeah. So I got to fly out to Baltimore and, yep. and see these guys. So. Well, I'm sorry. Sorry for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I know for a fact that that group of uh, folks that come into town is top-notch investors. So I'm sure it's... Oh, they're uh, the best in the business. Yeah. It's a good you group. have to have your A game just to join in. That's exactly <laughs> That's right. Jack doesn't let you through the door. <laughs> <laughs> Very selective. So uh, yeah. it's a process. It is. So, man, I, I'm excited to hear about um, sort of... I love the backstory. I'd love to hear about how you got in the business and sort of have grown it to the platform that you have yeah. today. I mean, you know, I got into it by accident. <laughs> you know, it wasn't planned out. I, my wife is from Dallas. So uh, in 2005, I moved to Dallas from Florida. She didn't want to move to Florida. So I kind of lost that, that bet. So I ended up moving there. And I didn't know what to do. So in 06, I bought my first house as a rental property. You know, because houses were cheap back then. And building didn't make sense. There was not, not enough profit coming from Florida. So I bought a rental, kind of understood it, made my mistakes, bought a few more from there. And then, the, and then that's how I got in, and then the great financial crisis took place. You know, and I got, at that time, I had about 20 or 25 rentals. And the bank started calling all the notes. I mean, it was bad. I don't know if you guys remember or not. But I think we remember, don't we? Yeah, yeah. The, this it's wasn't a 10, 20% drop. This was the world was falling, mm-hmm. and this was an asset class that nobody wanted to touch across the world, right? Like housing, oh, walk away, right? You went from best friend to uh, persona non grata almost yeah, overnight. And, when yeah. the, and the bank calls and says, hey, we're going to call you a note. We need you to pay us off. Well, I can't go to another bank because they're going to say the same thing. So where do you want me to go? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so that's how I got in. And then 2010 through maybe about 2017, we started buying heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, and then in 20... Amazing. I mean, amazing period of time to be yeah, building it was a portfolio amazing portfolio of buy, you know, capital. We, I got to where I needed to get to, and then in 2017, the government came calling Freddie Mac and said, hey, we want to do a pilot program, and we want to do one of these loans to test out the single-family rental space. So I was one of 20 operators they chose to do that loan. Mm, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I was one of those that did that loan and did a press release on me. So um, 
so that's when we got that done. And then I've been in the space since. And last year uh, here at IMN, I won Minority Executive of the Year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's been my, my journey so far. You know, and now at 99 Capital, um, that's our new private equity fund. And our tagline and, and mission is to build generational wealth. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go back into buying rentals, but not just making money for the rich, but making money for everybody so everybody can participate and then we can grow together. Tell us about the genesis of that idea and sort of, you know, it, it feels very heart-led. Uh, well, I'm sure there's obviously a, a, a profit motive in there as well. So tell us about sort of how that idea came about and, and more about that. Yeah, so, you know, I was uh, uh, in, in 2018, you know, one of our, uh, our spiritual leader at the time had kind of given a directive of building generational wealth, right? Mm-hmm. And how do you go about doing that? That, that would be the question, Yeah, right? how do you do it? So I said, well, you know, I went home and I thought about it. So I thought, okay, I'll build generational wealth. So I created a trust fund, put some funds, some assets in there for my kids and thought, okay, maybe that's what I was supposed to do. But I didn't feel anything inside. I didn't feel like, okay, that's that was it. So then I said, what's next, right? So then I realized that there's a lot of investors out there who are mom and pop investors, mm-hmm. you know, who want to participate in this space or any real estate class, right? They just don't have access, mm-hmm. right? They don't have access to the bigger, the Alex's of the world or, or Jack's of the world, right? Because we're out there doing our own thing. Sure. And unless we take them along with us and give them that access, where are they going to go, right? So, so I figured that's how the building the generational wealth came about. And that's what we're trying to do. And that's when we started. So we opened up the the, fund, the, the company two or three years ago, right? But imagine being disheartened when you open it up, your mission is to build generational wealth, and you don't launch. Nothing happens. Like, there's no, there's no product to buy. There's nothing to add. There's, you know? there's a vision, but, but it's still yeah. just a dream, right? So, like, two years go by, and I felt disheartened. Like, okay, I, I, I spent the money, I built everything, but nothing happened. Then what happened was the, the, the housing market, interest rates went up, and now there's a time, there's an opportunity, mm-hmm. right? Now we can launch. So we couldn't launch the last two years. We were just sitting on the sideline. Just because the, the Dallas market was so hot, you weren't finding anything that was like where the yields made sense. Yeah, you don't want to just launch for the launch of it, right? You want to launch with a product, and, and the timing has to be right. There has to be some kind of asset class on the other end that makes sense to, to, to grow in. And single-family housing today you know, uh, so our two biggest competitors, right, the iBuyers, internet buyers, Mm -hmm. they're on the sideline. And with mortgage interest rates around 7 8% right now, the homeowner's on the sideline. So this opens up that window for us to buy at a discounted price that wasn't there 12, 18 months ago. Yeah, so you've seen that, you you feel that, you've seen that in the Dallas market that over the past 12 months, like there's been enough cracks in the market that you're able to now be competitive on buying as-is houses and add value and get get deals again. 100% correct, right? They weren't there 12, 18 months ago. Uh, I would say maybe 12, 18 months ago, you could turn on the news and you would hear some newscaster saying, one, two, three, Main Street just sold, and it sold $50,000 above list price. Right. Because somebody came in, bid whatever, right? Because they were getting a 3.5% mortgage. They just moved in from California, had a bunch of cash, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So those are not, that's not a great time to buy. That's a seller's market, right? 
but now it's turning turning into a buyer's market. I'm sure the same thing is happening in Baltimore. Which yeah, we've, from, we've started to see some cracks. We've, yeah. we've had a good couple months of acquisitions. So right. yeah, it's so, starting to be fun again. You know? Yeah. So so and 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 I know Jack. So we're we're one of those guys that we love buying, right? We we're not the selling guys, right? So at the right price. At though. the right price. Yeah. So when we start seeing cracks, that's when we start finally. Let's go. So tell me a little bit. I'm curious about the fund. Like, um, so I assume you did like a Reg D. Yeah. Oh, did you do like the? Did you do the um, public offering that allows you to um, to bring in non-accredited investors yeah, as well? Yeah. So you can bring in 35 sophisticated investors, which are non-accredited. The mm-hmm. rest have to be accredited. So this allows us to bring the the non-accredited along with us on the journey of, of 99 Capital. That was the reason of doing it, right? So nice. That's so awesome. You, you bring in the average uh, mom and pop with you. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So, how's uh, when, when do you, when did you guys start buying? How's it gone so far? So, we launched the fund in May. Uh, uh, in March, we launched. We're putting the. It, it was a learning process for me too, right? Putting documents together, learning the SEC laws and regulations, blah, all that stuff. You'd never done anything. Never like this. Never done anything like that. I always been a, like a sole proprietor, right? Sure, never had sure. partners. Never, you know. So this is my first time having to answer to people. Right? Yeah. How did you How did you find the attorney, right? Like the, just the logistics of that for someone who's listening and thinking, like, hey, I want to go raise a fund, but like, what do I do? So like, you had to, you had to hire an attorney to do that, right? Absolutely. Like, how did you, yeah. you find that individual? Was it a, a firm that specialized in yeah, it? Yeah. So you have to find a firm that specializes in Reg D and SEC law, basically, right? right? Because they have they know the tricks and trades. So uh, I was lucky that one of the title companies that we used, their attorney was also SEC. Oh. So, uh, so they did funds all the time. So not only did they do our fund, but they got it at a good price. Right, right. So that's how we launched it that way. And then uh, we started, back to your question, when we started buying, bought our first property in July. And now we're ramping up. You know, we're, we're, you know, we've got about 20 properties under our belt right now. Nice. That's you know, fun. Yeah, that is fun, right? And then that's the part we love to do, <laughs> you know, being in the business for 17 years. Yeah. But, and, 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 and we're off to the races. So who do you go out to to, to solicit for funds? I mean, I know that the obviously accredited, non-accredited, yeah. but like was this? So the first fund, our only fund right now, I mean, there will be more hopefully in the future, but uh, friends and family. That's what I was wondering. That's yeah. who we went to first, right? Like, hey. And is that sort of the mission of creating generational wealth yeah. for those people? Like, hey, you can play in the game. You know, you don't necessarily have to be the operator, but you can invest in this fund. Is that the part? Is that what you mean by the generational wealth? Well, well, yes and no. They can they can participate, but how do you build generational wealth? Right. The only way, in my humble opinion, to build generational wealth is through real estate. Yeah. If you and I was just looking at I was listening to a podcast about. Um, uh, Joseph Kennedy, right, the father of John F. Kennedy, right? Majority of his wealth was through real estate. People don't know that, but what he did was he, he, he bought great real estate assets, he created trusts, left them for his children, and he put in the trust uh, a caveat that they can only spend the interest or the income from the asset. So the asset continuously kept growing in value, which real estate does throughout time. Mm-hmm. So if there's anybody who's got a real example of generational wealth, that's that guy. You know, what he did, I thought was brilliant, right? Sure. So even till this day, his generations are, are eating off of the assets that he bought. So that's what I mean by building generational wealth. Yeah, gotcha. You know? Sometimes I like to ask the questions that, uh, that the audience may be thinking, and I still am, I, you know... I, you understand the structure. I'm going to ask the question. So if a person wants to invest in your fund and you're the operator buying the real estate, mm-hmm. 
That person owns a fractional part of the real estate, let's say, because they've invested in your fund. Absolutely, yeah. And so your hope in, I want to get back to the whole generational aspect, your hope is that that person keeps the money in the fund for a while and they make returns off of that. They're not really owning the real estate. So the fund owns the real estate because, you know, um, so let's say you put in $50,000. Sure. And we bought 100 homes, right? So you technically put in $500 in each home. Mm-hmm. So you own your, your equity in there is $500 per asset, right? right? And then the goal is years later is to sell it. And then we are a for profit, of course, right? And, and give back a great return to these, these investors compared to what they have done by just putting it in a money market account or putting it in a stock market. I understand. And then, you know, some, and another exit could be is that you sell it, but sell enough to give their, their, their equity back and the rest is free and clear and they can eat off of that for, for whatever period of time. So there's plenty of exit strategies you could play in that. But the, the goal is to give them access, right? So t- today, if I want to, if I don't have this background and I want to go into, if I live in Baltimore and I want to buy single family homes, Jack's not giving me the time of day, <laughs> right? right? Okay, so unless he decides to be helpful and allow people to invest with him, He's going to continue growing, and the average person will not. I see. What I didn't realize, and maybe you could speak to this, is that the way the the way a fund is set up, a private equity fund, is that the person not only gets a return, but then they get a part of the upside when he sells the asset. Yeah. So, like, I, I assume that the, the the folks who are putting in money, they're limited partners. Correct. Yeah, they're, the, they're, they're owners of the of the assets and uh-huh, the fund. Uh-huh. So, whatever the profit is, they get their share. Love yeah. that. Yeah. And then you, you act as the general partner, Correct. manage all the day-to-day. Absolutely. We, we're the operators, right, because we have the experience. So we, we acquire the asset, we fix the asset up, and we manage it, till, and then we exit it. So what's the, what's the team look like right now? Great question. So we have an acquisitions team. Their job is to just find the best deals out there. We have a construction team that comes in right behind them once we close on it. And, and fix the property up to make it ready. And then we have a property management team that manages it till the Sounds end. Sounds very familiar. Yeah. 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 So, how are you, so how are you, uh, w- w- what's working right now? Just on... FYI, I think we started in the space at the same time. Yeah. So it's not like we copied him or he copied oh, us. No, so. no, 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 no. I, yeah, I, yeah. I think it's a model that's it's been played around the country. It's a model that's been there for yeah, years. Yeah. You know, Some so. do it better than others. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Jack is great at what he does and Fred is great at what they do. I mean, they're at another level. So. You know, we've all had our learning experiences, right? Like, it's, it's a fun business. Um, um, so wait, so what's what's working on the acquisition side for you right now? Is like how how are you sourcing deals? Is it courthouse steps, wholesalers, direct mail? Yeah, it's we, we do a little bit of everything, right? We're not big on the courthouse steps. Uh-huh. I think going through the courthouse steps, we see a lot of novice investors that come in there and they just raise their hand and they're. It's easy to buy houses. It's you just yeah, keep raising you just your, raise your hand <laughs> and just keep bidding up the price, and they're paying hundred cents on the dollar. I'm like, what? You know, yeah. so courthouse steps is really not our thing. Uh, we have a lot of. Relationships with realtors, wholesalers, you know, a little bit of direct mail, but you know, various different verticals that we get the deals through. So, what's like, what's a typical deal look like? Like, what's the year built, bed and bath, square footage? We're talking all single family here. All single family homes. We're talking about 1970s, 80s built. You know, uh, 15, 1600 square feet, three bedroom, two bath. Decent neighborhood. Decent neighborhood. Great school district. Suburbia America. You know, uh, white picket fence. You know, kind of like what you see in the movies. You know, just like Baltimore. <laughs> so what's a, what are your, like, what do you consider a good deal? Like you're all in for how much money based off of how much, and you're getting how much rent. 
So it all depends on the areas too, right? Sure. I mean, you know this, right? So sometimes we will, we will sacrifice a rent for an asset that we know we've got a lot of equity built in, and sure. that's just a phenomenal area that we know is going to appreciate significantly. Yeah. Oh, and, and sorry to interrupt you. What? So the the this is. Uh, slightly different off topic, but w- what's the time frame? When do you guys expect to sell these assets in the future? 2029 is, oh, sorry. Okay, 2029 no. is when we start exiting. Okay. So two years to deploy. Okay. To buy the assets, five-year hold, and then we start exiting. Yeah, so that like that back end is definitely a part of the economics, definitely part of your analysis when you're considering what a good deal is that, you know, because if you, like you just said, like you might get as not, not as good of a current return, but if you're going to get a big equity pop on the end, you'll yeah, make it up there. If you're, if you're investing your in an area where we know appreciation is just going crazy, right? So we know we're going to make that way up in the back end, right? right, right. So we're going to sacrifice a little bit of the rent up front, but we, we got an equity play here. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I, we, so, you know, in coming from Baltimore, Baltimore is a great yield market, right? Sure, like there's right. really good current returns. If you look at a home price appreciation over time, you know, you take 2021 out of the scenario, it's a very boring appreciation yeah. market. So like, you know, we'd get, we'd get, we'd get inflation, right? We get CPI from a, from a uh, appreciation point of view, but the current yields were amazing. And so, um, you know, we've always, I've always had like, you know, that's how I was trained. Like that, that's how, that's what I, you know, kind of mm-hmm. grew up in. Right. So, um, I've always, we, we always have this like, uh, bias towards, you know, what's the current yield, but man, like, you know, something that we've just seen over the past, you know, particularly over the past couple of years is like the, the, you know, from a total return point of view, though you should know that you can't like carry a property that, you know, where the rent doesn't cover the mortgage. If the rent covers the mortgage and you're in a, a strong appreciating market, I think that the, I think the biggest wins have happened by real estate investors over the past 10 years, the biggest wins have happened because of appreciation. hundred percent. That's the play. If you want to make money in SFR, it's in appreciation, not in the yields. You want to be in a market that's appreciating. We come from Dallas where, you know, now we have over 8 million people. Right. You know, in, in the MSA of folks DFW, coming in. right, yeah. which makes us the third or fourth largest in, in the country, right? Um, you've got every time you pick up the newspaper, you've got a major company moving here, right? So they're bringing in their people and then the sub-companies that cater to them bringing in, right? Um, so you've got this big growth and you've and in and, and this conference, all we've heard is about shortage of homes everywhere, mm-hmm. right? So Dallas is not immune to that. No one's making any more of the workforce housing, right? Mm-hmm. So therefore, you've got people, influx of people moving in, shortage of homes. So count on that appreciation will continue to grow. And you, you, you feel know? you feel Dallas is a good market for that? Like you still feel there's plenty 100%. of room to go, yeah, room to run? Yeah, I mean, we're putting our eggs in that basket, right? So yeah. that's our backyard. We believe in that theory, and that's our thesis. So in terms of the fund now, um, are you still growing the fund or is that sort of, do you close it at some point? Yeah, so we close it in March of, of coming. So usually uh, Reg D is a one-year open mm-hmm. to, to raise the capital. And then when December, uh, sorry, March rolls around next year, that's when we're, we, we're done uh, raising the capital. Cool. That's awesome. You're about to say something? No, no, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. So uh, one of the things I heard that was I thought was, kind of brilliant at this conference because you talk to people that are in single family, multifamily, I'm sure. in development, I'm doing a hundred million, you know, it, I heard this now's the time in, in a market like this to sort of stay in your lane. Yeah. Is that the intent here? Just, just to stay with a single family lane or, or for, for now? Yeah. Because, you know, people always ask me like, Hey, why don't you do multifamily or why don't you do development? Yeah, from you've got p- the experience. You right, obviously you understand do all that capital. So, and, there's, and, and I want to, but 
this is what I know. Yeah. Right? Like, and this is my swim lane, right? This is what we know. So it's like hard to take money from other people and, and try something new. Like, yeah. yeah. I'd never tried it with my own money. Why am I going to take your money and try it? Right? That's Brilliant. pretty bad, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, I wouldn't do that. Now, if I was going to go into some kind of other development or something, I would do it with my money first, test it out, you know, make the mistakes. And then I would come back to investors and, and mom and pops or whomever, right? Well, that's a rare model. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> nah, refreshing. Really refreshing. Anything else? Um, so the... few minutes left here. Yeah, I guess the, uh, I, you know, like to your point, I feel like like single family houses, they don't, like, they don't feel risky to me, right? Like it's just work, right? Like, but, but I feel, you know, once you're, once you're an operator, you get your, your, you know what, you know, you know what a good deal looks like, you know how to operate it well. You've been operating your 300 for, you know, 15 years. Right. Uh, and so like, you know, I, you then at that, with that level of experience, have the comfort to say, Hey, I'm the general partner. I, I, I know how to do this. Sure. You, know, you feel very comfortable, right? Like asking your friends and family, right? Who you're going to have to see at Thanksgiving, you know, and holidays and stuff. So you're like, putting your reputation on the line yeah, too, absolutely. right? So, but being at this conference and you know, this Jack is that single family homes in general today are the safest asset class there is in the world, not just in the U S right? Because anytime you have a shortage of a product, and you have a demand, that product is, in, is not going to fall in value drastically, right? And especially now if you put on top of that, that product happens to be in one of the most growing cities in America, mm-hmm. right? Now you're really protected, right? Yeah. So if you look at other office spaces, right, our buildings, keys are being handed back to lenders right now, right? You've got commercial, we all know there's a bloodbath coming, right? But, and, and if you look at all the asset classes this year, They've all gone down in value, except for single-family homes. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Right? Even, even multifamily cap yeah. rates are up. Yeah. Even multifamily cap rates are up. So it's like this, because there's a shortage of this product. Yeah. No one made any more of these affordable housing in the last decade. Mm-hmm. So that's why, and, and, and I'm buying in my backyard in, in a city where you have 300-some people moving in every day. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're comfortable in, in, in that space now. Yeah, yeah. You know. Well, man, we have you for a couple more minutes, and I can't thank you enough for taking the time. Seriously, hey, no it's worries. just great to talk with you. Um, I would, uh, I think people would kill me if I didn't ask a top operator, give us your prognosis for uh, 2024, you know. <laughs> Take out the crystal ball. Yeah, man, pull and, it out. That's, and and, and this is being recorded, so if I'm wrong, Absolute, I mean, this would be yeah. like on, yeah, on some kind well, of... Well, <laughs> we're coming back here this time, or and when you come back to Baltimore, and we get to tell you if you were right or wrong. So I'll tell you a, a, a funny story. One of the questions, I'm, a, I'm on a panel right after this at, at 3 o'clock, and I'm moderating it. And the last question I have for the guests is, if you had a crystal ball, what do you predict for 2024? Yeah, well, there you go. Now you get to answer. <laughs> and I get this question sent back to me. Here's my thought process. I think, uh, I don't think interest rates drop in the next year, in the next 12 months. If they were somehow were to drop, they would not drop drastically, maybe 100 basis points combined, you know, 25, 25, 25, like they did. But I think that would be the max. I don't think it drops at all. And... This may be the new norm for a while, right? So if you look at last year, everybody was saying, oh, you know what, December of this year, rates are going to start dropping. Right? I mean, maybe it's a little bit of wishful thinking. Maybe the rates aren't going to drop. Maybe we're going to stay like this for another 12 to 24 months. Does that right? equal a devaluation maybe in, in, in asset prices? or 
I think it's going to flush out a lot of bad operators. Mm -hmm. It sure is going to flush out a lot of commercial properties. That's already happening. Yep. I mean, you know, uh, I, I read the Dallas uh, Business Journal, and right, you know, uh, we, have, we have something called the Dallas North Tollway. We have these big office buildings, you know, and you could, every other day you could read something where either a building is going into foreclosure or the owners have just given the keys back, right? So that's already starting to happen. Right. Yeah. And and this could be a good way to flush out all of that. Yeah. And I think inflation is a problem. Right. And if I'm and of course, I'm not a Federal Reserve. I can't predict what they're going to do, but they've made it very clear what their mandate is. They want that inflation down to two percent. Yeah. Right. And that's what they're trying to do. And if you look at your average American today, their cost of living has gone up by 20 percent. Right? That's a big number for an average person, right? So they got to control inflation. So I don't think if I had a crystal ball, I don't think the rates come down. I don't think they go up anymore. But I think this is stability for the next 12 to 24 months, right? And this way, it's, a, it's just what it is, yeah. right? I mean, and I don't think values of houses will fall as drastically as, as if anyone predicts because there's a shortage of it. But it's market to market. Sure. That kind of aligns with where you are, right? Yeah, yeah. I uh, I generally feel the same way about that. I think it's going to, and therefore, I think experienced operators, people who have platforms, people who have low variable costs, right, who, who, who aren't going to pay dumb tax getting into something new, right, who right. already have a platform they can add units to, it's going to be a great time for them to start to start adding units again. Absolutely. Uh, I, think the, I think the flipping market is going to be really strong, and if you can find a deal that's good enough where you can get, where you're not paying more to your lender than you're collecting from net, net operating income, uh, adding rentals on a case-by-case -case basis too. So. Sure. Yeah, I 100% agreed. Well, man, we love talking with great operators. Can't thank you enough. Can, tell folks how they can find you online or maybe uh, find out what you're doing in Dallas. Yeah, so our uh, company's name is 99 Capital. Uh, you can, uh, we have a monthly newsletter that comes out that gives a lot of data mm -hmm. uh, regarding what's going on in the housing market and, and real estate in general. So if you go to our website, 99 Capital, and that's N-I-N-E-T-Y, the number 9capital.com, you can sign up for our newsletter. It uh, comes out once a month. We give you a lot of insight of what's going on, um, and uh, and that's about it. You can find us right there. There's nothing more I love than good operators who act as educators as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's love great that. content. It is. So thank you so much for joining us. Can't thank you enough for the time. Appreciate it, guys. It's great to have you on. All right, thanks. We really appreciate it. All right, that's it for now. Coming from INN, we'll talk to you guys soon.